Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multimillionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to go to the mailbag, and uh, just want you to understand that I take these uh, emails openly from everybody. If you just email askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com, that's askdell, D-E-L, one L, at l-u-i-n-c dot com, which is Lifestyles Unlimited, Inc., l-u-i-n-c dot com. And uh, some of them I answer directly back. Some of them might say, you know, the question's too complicated to answer you know, without writing a book. So I'll do it on the radio show. And today we're going to start with one on the radio show that I bet I've answered a thousand times over the last 30 years of doing this. It is probably the most misunderstood situation out there. And I'm going to try to attack it at least two different ways, maybe three or four different ways today. And that is the question of the 401k. This gentleman's question is, I recently retired, which diversify my investment with real estate. I have decent 401k balance, but not as much after tax money to invest. Not as much after tax money to invest. I'm assuming what that means is that he's got money out there to invest in that's not in his 401k. Uh, but not as much as he has in his 401k. The question then goes on, is there a way to invest the real estate using 401k without the tax hit of withdrawals? And it says, a few years ago, I looked into self-directed that would allow this, but I found that it was it had very high fees and questionable reputation. That is absolutely the truth. So, let's just start out with a simple concept. You work to earn money. When you earn money, you pay taxes on that money. If you earn more money, you pay more taxes. Now, that's if you're not earning it through real estate investments. Real estate investments allow you to earn money and defer the taxes, either long-term or forever, if you do it correctly. But in general, when we're out there working, when we're out there earning, we want to earn more money. And if we earn more money, we pay more taxes. So, somebody comes along and says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to let you take a part of the money you've earned and not pay taxes on it if you put it into a 401k. And so, a person says, okay, that sounds good to me, except I don't have the money now. So, we'll tell you what, we'll we'll entice it. We'll match you up to 4% of what you earn. So, that becomes the hook what you don't realize is all you've done is you create a forced savings account. That's the only good thing about a 401k. It keeps it away from the spender in the family. Other than that, there's absolutely no benefit whatsoever, comparatively. What is the good part? You put it in there, you don't pay taxes on it because you don't get it. The money's not going into your hands. You haven't earned the money, right? It's deferred compensation. So, if deferred compensation, a la pension, is a good thing, then why wouldn't you want a larger pension and less current compensation? 
Well, the same thing is true with the 401k. Why would you not want to put all of it in the 401k and defer all the compensation? Well, you don't want to, right? Now, many of you make a lot of money, a lot more than you need to survive. And so, you want to put as much in there as you can, thinking, I don't need it, and at least I can keep it away from my spouse this way. Or maybe myself, if maybe you're the spender. But the concept is still, you don't get the money. That's why you don't pay the taxes. You have to get that through your mind. Now, what happens later when you take the money out? Well, then you pay the taxes. So, all you've done is defer the compensation. You say, well, the thing I've been told my whole life is that the money grows faster if you don't pay the taxes. And say, okay, well, let's think of the theory here for a second. Because I put $4 in there and didn't pay taxes to only have $2 left or $3 left, whatever it is, I have more money working to buy something. And if the guy puts 4 in there for me, it matches up, and now I've got 8 So, instead of ending up with 3 outside of the 401k, in other words, I made 4, they took 1, I got 3. I now have four plus the four he matches, and now I have eight dollars in the account. So it grows faster. And that's the theory. Except the theory doesn't work. And the theory doesn't work for a very, very large reason. And that is the only place you put your money in those things is in accounts that are controlled, manipulated by the 401k administrator. In that case, they're not growing. There's massive fees on this stuff, and they're in stocks and bonds that go up and down, up and down, up and down, and really very slow growth, very, very slow growth in the long run. Just about the time you need the money, there's a stock crash, and boom, you have a, not a 401k, but a 201k or a 101k. <laughs> you lost anywhere from 50 to 60% of your money on one of these stock market crashes. So, it just doesn't work. The theory doesn't work. So, let's just take it and look at it at a different point of view. Let's look at it this way. Let's say you have a 401k and I have a rent house. And what your 401k manager is telling you to do is take $1,000 a month and put it in this account every month for 30 years while you work. Hopefully, at the end of that, all that money is going to be in there and you're going to get a gain, or they're going to give you a 4% addition, they're going to match up to 4%. So, let's just go with the easiest thing, and they match you, okay? So, let's start with the matching. When I go buy a rent house, I put $25,000 down and buy a rent house, and I capture, and this is all over the place, but I capture some amount of instant gain. I buy the house for less than what it's worth. So, let's just make it easy and keep it even. I get $25,000 capital gain of captured equity, and I put up $25,000. So, I've got the same 100% match that you get when you put it in the 401k. So, we've taken the match out of the discussion now, right? Now, let's go to the next step. Each month, you take $1,000 out of your life, out of your earnings, and don't receive it. Each month, I take $1,000 a month and put it into a rent house. And we do that for 30 years. At the end of 30 years, I've paid off a four or $500,000 house, and I have equity of four or 500000 and you've paid into this 401k, and you have equity of four or 500000 right? But the money I've earned is on the outside of the 401k. You now have to take the 401k 
out the money out of the 401k, and now you have to pay taxes on it, anywhere from 15 to 30%. Now, by the way, you've already paid Social Security and Medicare on that money. This is another thing you don't realize, is even though it's going into the 401k and you're not paying income taxes on it, you are still paying Social Security and Medicare. The money that I'm putting into my rent house, I'm not paying Social Security and Medicare on, right? But you are, okay? irrespective, it doesn't really matter because we don't see the money. We're putting it into something. We don't see it. So we don't really care. But here's the difference. That's assuming that I would buy a rent house and not rent it for 30 years. At the end of 30 years, I have this house. It's worth four or 500000 At the end of 30 years, you have this 401k. It's worth four or 500000 But that's not really the way it works because what I'm doing with my rent house is I'm renting it. And so I'm making $500 a month positive cash flow. And I'm making $500 a month positive cash flow on the first one to two years, thinking we're putting $1,000 a month into the payment. Within two years, I would have saved up enough money to buy another house. And now I'm not making $500 a month. I'm making 1000 a month on the outside. Now, my payment is still getting made on these rent houses. Now I have two of them. But my tenants are making the payment. I'm not putting the money into the houses. The tenants are putting the money into the houses. And I'm making cash flow. So think about 30 years. If every year for 30 years you bought another house, you ended up at retirement with 30 houses, each of them making you $500 a month, right? Which would mean you'd have $15,000 a month of retirement. Not to mention you would have 30 houses of $500,000 worth of equity. Think of that. The leverage factor on this is so much better than the 401k. You're going to have four or 500,000 in your 401k, but I'm going to have 10, 20, 30 houses, right? At 500,000. So that's what? 5 million, 10 million, $15 million worth of equity compared to your 500,000. And I'm going to have $15,000 a month in positive cash flow. When you look at it that way, it's not even close. Doesn't make any sense at all. Anybody who looks at it that way sees instantly, once they come to my seminar, that the 401k is nowhere near as powerful as buying rental properties. Now, here's where you get hung up. You get hung up on the fact that you don't want to take the money out of the 401k to buy the rental properties. And that's where this guy's question is. Is there a way to use that money without getting it out of the 401k? And he answered his own question. There is with a self-directed 401k. But you don't want to do it. And why do you not want to do it? Because if you have a self-directed 401k and you make money, you don't get the money. It goes where? Back into the 401k. And because you put it back into the 401k, you haven't paid taxes on it. And you've taken a tax-deferred, tax-free income and turned it into earned income. So when you take it out of the 401k, all that money, that million, five million, ten million, all becomes taxable. Because as soon as you earn money into a 401k, it becomes a part of your earnings. It's earned income. It changes what it is. So all the tax advantages that come with real estate are lost. And there you are. You're in a place where now, to pull the money out to live off of it, you have to pay taxes on it. You've destroyed 
the perfect investment by putting inside the 401k. On the other hand, you go, but if I take the money out, I don't have as much money as I had inside the 401k. No, you don't. But it doesn't matter because we are going to leverage the money. We are going to put 10 or 20% down at the most. I've Typically, 10% is what we're putting down. So if you pull it out and pay taxes on whatever it is you pull out, let's say you pay 15% taxes, 20% taxes, whatever it is, and unless you pull it all out at once, which is maybe a higher tax bracket, but if you pull the money out, pay taxes on it, you immediately leverage that money back up by getting a mortgage on a house or an apartment complex, whichever you're buying. And so, well, you had a million in there and you took it out, and now your million is only 800000 that 800000 becomes $8 million in leverageable real estate. So you've got 10 times what you had inside of there, or eight times what you had inside of there working for you. So you can't use leverage in a 401k. If you have a self-directed 401k, you can't use leverage in it. And if you do, and this is what they won't tell you, if you do, then you have to pay taxes on the money you earned proportionally from the leverage. So if you're doing 80% leverage, 80% of all the money you earn in that 401k, which you're trying to avoid paying taxes on, you're actually paying taxes on right now in the real time. The other 20% goes into the 401k and you don't pay tax on it until you take it out. But you don't have it until you take it out. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsa Radio Show. Roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Lifestyles Unlimited members share their stories and strategies for success at case study events. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing the economy? Kept on coming to meetings even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still we just like, we need to make the jump. So we kept praying for time to get this job done, to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers and he got downsized from his corporate job. But they didn't buy just one house, right? No, they did not. You rehab in house number nine right now. Nine. Wow. So every month the cash flow is $3,200. Okay, the equity of all the houses is up to 280,000. Join us this month and learn from people just like you. Check in person and online dates at lukstudy.com. Once again, that's lukstudy.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're in the mailbag and uh, the next question comes from Edward. 
I think it's out of Washington. And uh, his question is, um, you hammered on the issue with variable rate loans. I'm full agreement with not using them. After all, I wouldn't use them to purchase my own home, so why would I use them to buy a business? But in the very end, you mentioned you would not feel right about updating the white paper to say don't use variable loans at all because you and John Ridgway had used them in the past. Under what conditions would your variable rate loan work? Well, this one is so obvious, I'm kind of embarrassed to take credit for saying it, to be honest with you, but let's think about it. When I was telling people not to use variable rate loans is when the economy was booming. And when the economy is booming, and the cost of real estate is going up rapidly, very, very quick gains, the Fed is in a situation where they might have to put brakes on. And we've been calling that for three years. Three years I've been telling people, hey, look, this, this rate of growth is unsustainable. The inflation is going to blow the country up. So do you really want to get into an adjustable rate mortgage to buy properties at the highest possible price and then have the Fed raise the interest rates to slow the economy down and bring the prices back down? So now you have high interest rates, and this is why people are getting killed right now. They have high interest rates now on properties that they paid too much for because the prices were too high. Now, flip it around. 2008, when I was buying, there was a massive recession. When there's a recession, the Fed has to lower the rate of interest to stimulate the economy. Now, when you have an adjustable rate mortgage, when the rates are going down, they put a floor on it and say, well, it can't go below this. So there's really no risk in it because the interest rates are not going to go down because the bank's going to put a floor on them. But they're not going to go up either when you're in the middle of a recession. Let's take that one step further. And we're buying real estate anywhere from when I first, when the recession first started. I was buying it 20% below market. Then I bought it 30% below. Then I bought it 40% below. And eventually, I was buying at 50% and 60% below market. The last property I bought was a $50,000 a door property I bought for $8,000 a door. So whatever that number is, that's like 20%. That means it's 80% below market value that had been market value just a year or two before. Now, at that point, who cares what they do with the interest rates on that loan? It's irrespective. It it's, doesn't matter. But it's still true that they're not going to raise the interest rates during that much of a recession. Secondly, these loans with these adjustable rate mortgages are known as and are called bridge loans. They're not long-term mortgages. You would never buy a long-term mortgage with an adjustable rate mortgage. It would kill you. These are short little loans that you buy a property that's in total distress. You've put this little low price loan on it, and most of them are interest only also. You're not even paying principal. And you go in there and you rehab the property. You lease the property up. And you do all that from anywhere from one year to 24 months, 12 months to 24 months. I've seen them go as long as 36 months, but 
I did a 320 unit that was completely empty. I did it in 18 months with John Ridgway. Um, best deal I've ever done. Uh, just working with John, and it really worked out well with me. But the bottom line was we took this 320-unit property. It was only 20% occupied, and that 20% of people were felons. I mean, they all had to be evicted, so it was really empty. And in 18 months, we totally renovated it and leased it back up to full. Now, Mark, you were, John has got a lot of experience in this business. I've got a lot of experience in this business, so we have the advantage of being very good at what we do, right? But even if we hadn't been, we had it penciled out for 24 months. We just got it done six months earlier than what we thought. In fact, not only did we get it done six months earlier, we got it done at $1.2 million cheaper than we thought we'd get it done. And so we saved our partners $1.2 million of holding costs, money we would have had to spend while we didn't have any tenants, and renovation costs. We got the renovation done cheaper. Uh, Maybe because we were the only thing going on at the time because we're in a recession. Nobody had any work. So we were able to negotiate our prices. So this is where why I can't change the white paper. And by the way, for those of you who don't know what the white paper is, we have a set of suggested practices and a set of rules that people have to follow because we're all in a group together investing monies in different ways. I, I don't control the monies being invested. Each person decides if they want to either be a lead investor and go out there and put together a syndication or they want to be a passive investor and go out there and get into somebody else's syndication or they want to be an IRO, independent owner, where they go out and buy their own real estate by themselves. Each member makes that decision. But in back to the question here, you know, for Edward here, it's very obvious when these types of loans are very beneficial. We're coming back into this kind of a market. If the government goes into recession, and I think the possibility, you have to think about this. One of the things politicians do to avoid recession is to create wars. And I'll tell you what, we got wars now on two fronts. We now have the Ukraine war, which we're spending billions of dollars on. And we now have the Israeli-Hamas war which we're going to spend billions of dollars on. So the government is trying to spend its way out of going into recession by creating war. It's not the first time it's happened. And don't even begin to believe that they're not doing it on purpose. This whole thing was set up. If you think about it, we gave six or five or six billion dollars, I think it was five billion, to Iran right before Hamas attacked Israel. Hey, just think of it. They're doing everything they could do to keep us out of recession. That's what they're working on. So if we go back into recession, if we do slip into it, although I find it hard to go into recession when you're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on two wars, but if we slip back into recession, if that happens, then these adjustable rate Mortgages will be fine because they're going to be dropping the interest rate. Right now, I see nothing today that says they're going to drop the interest rate anytime soon. Um, I don't see anything that says they're going to continue to raise it either. I think the Fed is kind of just where it's at right now. So having said that, an adjustable rate mortgage might be safe right now. But I wouldn't take the risk because if inflation ticks up, every tick of inflation that goes up, the Fed is going to tick right back with more interest. 
The higher the interest rates, the lower the value of real estate. That's just it's almost a direct corollary between the two. And so right now, we're able to buy real estate back at normal prices again. People out there are in a situation where they want to make money when they buy real estate. So if interest rates are 2%, you can pay way too much for the property and still make money. But if interest rates are 7 or 8 now you've got to buy the real estate at the correct price to make the deal work. And believe you me, those prices are occurring. Let's move on to this next question email, if we could. It says, I listened to your radio show and I have a question. My dad recently passed away and left my three kids a good sum of money, $1.7 million. Right now, I have it in a money market with Fidelity making 4.5% until I decide. As the only trustee of the money, how to invest? I'm worried about investing when I feel the current market could collapse at any time. One, it's a parent that is the trustee for these kids. And the fact that they've got $1.7 million for three kids and they can't spend it for five years, at the end of that five years, you literally could retire every one of those kids with that amount of money. Um, That's a large amount of money. And we figure that we probably double our net worth in what we do every two to three years. So that could be $3.4 million at the end of th- five years because this kid's 13. They can't spend the money until they're 18. However, your fear of the market crashing is exactly what's happening right now. The market is on a downward trend right now. And so if you knew nothing about real estate investing, it's very likely you would lose money by putting your kid's money into real estate. So the first answer is absolutely don't because you don't know what you're doing. Now, here's the second answer. However, if you were willing to come in here and get educated, then I have no problem recommending you get into this real estate market right now when it is probably the best real estate market I've seen since 2008 because you can buy stuff at very low prices if you know what low prices really are. So in this case, if you're willing to this parent, the mother. Um, In this case, uh, you want to make sure that if you're going to take that option, you get in here and get educated and get a mentor to help you every inch of the way. They can go do whatever they want to do in this world and have enough money to support them to do it for the rest of their lives. And you will have done that for them because you were willing to take the time to come get educated. That's the difference. You have to get educated. All right? So either way, great opportunity for those children and those kids. Let's move on to this next question. I want to get it in before we get run out of time here. How do I get my wife to consider Lifestyles Unlimited? I'm all for it and heard you read out my previous email. Thank you. But my wife is still on the fence. We recently had spent a bunch of money on a house repair, and my wife said she doesn't feel like we can get into it right now. Any words of wisdom to use? Hey, look, bottom line, I'm not going to put your name out there on the street um, because it's going to get you in trouble. The bottom line is, in every family, you usually have one optimist and one pessimist. I'm the pessimist in my family, okay? My wife's the optimist. We call them type A and type B. I say no to everything. It's a starting point for everything in life. No. 
and then I start listening if you keep talking. The bottom line, your wife is the pessimist in the family. And she sees the world in a very bad place right now. There's two wars going on out there. Uh, There's a recession starting to happen. Real estate values are going down. And all of that for a pessimist. And then the fact you had to do repairs on the house, which ate into your liquid cash and liquid funds. All of those things are reasons to say no. There's nothing you can do to change that you're going to have to get her educated. If she's willing to get educated, listen to the radio show, listen to the podcast, understand that I'm as much of a pessimist as she is, and yet as a pessimist, I'm saying it's time to take action. Then she, of her own accord, will say, we need to look into this. And that's the way it always happens because the type A, being you, is all excited about trying to get the type B to watch or listen, be me. And I don't want to hear it. But once I find it on my own, once I decide it was my idea, boy, it all turns around and the world becomes great. All right, hope you had a great day. And remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.